The image is indelibly ingrained on my brain forever. I will never forget the moment as long as I live because it was the first time that I saw what the church is all about. Now, I had been a Christian just a short time, but it was, it was this particular Sunday morning, it was different. I was new enough of a Christian not to understand the full scope of what was happening. There was a young man in the youth group that I thought was the coolest of cool. His name was Brandon. Brandon was a cool guy, and I, I really emulated him. And that particular Sunday morning, something happened within Brandon's family that shook the whole congregation. I don't want to get into the details of it, just to tell you that that moment was an earthquake for that congregation. I didn't even understand how big of an earthquake that it was. But I knew that something big had happened because I saw Brandon's younger brother Brent outside of the worship service after the final amen. He was convulsing. He was weeping. He was, he was doing things that, uh, expressing emotions that most, I figure Brent was probably 11 or 12 at that time. He was overcome with grief and sorrow. And I didn't even understand the depth of it, of his sadness. I just happened to catch it. But, but in that moment, what I saw was a beautiful thing that I'll never forget. And it was reminded of it this morning when Andy Duncan was teaching our class because Andy Duncan was, was there with Brent. And he was 30 years younger, but he was consoling Brent. I don't know if you remember that moment, but I'll never, ever forget it. Because in that moment, Andy, without even trying, showed me what it meant to be the church. Andy, for little Brent, was helping him. He was doing what we are going to talk about today. And it's really important, but it happens in big ways and small. We're talking about bearing one another's burdens. I, I figure we could go with either bearing one another's burdens or burdening one another's bears. And I didn't really know if you've got a bear that you need burdened and come back tonight, we'll talk about that. But we're, for this morning, we're going to talk about bearing one another's burdens because here's the truth of it. I do this and you probably do the same thing. Almost all the time during the Lord's Supper, I take an opportunity with the Lord and I, but I also look around at my brothers and sisters in Christ. I look around about who I see and who's going through something and who's carrying something. And the truth of the matter is, every single person in the pews is carrying something. It may not be on a big scale like, like little Brent has, what it was experiencing that Sunday morning 30 years ago, but it's something. And I'm convinced that one of the great reasons that God created the church was for the purpose of bearing one another's burdens. Everyone carries a burden, but the burdens, in fact, vary. Some vary from person to person. Some burdens seem are seen and known by all. Uh, you, you know of one, one story. Let, let, me, let me share with you the story of the triplets. You probably know it, but let's talk about it. Bring the lights down, guys, please. Some burdens are seen in Ohio like the triplets. Let's listen to their story. Northside respond. Did your church rally for you within minutes? What happened? Uh, within minutes. I just remember standing at the corner here because we had to get off the street. Didn't know what we were doing. I knew we would probably go to my mom's. She lives a mile away and wasn't affected. Um, so people are like, 
where can we get you? What can we do? And I just kept like copy and pasting. People were asking how we were, where we hit. They just saw it on the news. What happened? I said our house is destroyed, but we are fine. The Duncans live here in Andover from church, so they kind of were. Uh, Andy was one of the first ones I talked to, and Luke Campbell. Um, so he he uh, brought a generator over. Luke did, um, and some other supplies. Luke and Andy came over to her mom's because the power did go out over there, but their house was completely fine. But we used the generator to keep the fridge and stuff going. But that's where we stayed that night. So I was telling her our story from the night, and I was walking back. I had gone over there to get away from some noise, so I walked back over here, and I just saw like six guys walking up from church, and they were putting on their gloves, ready to work, and just how it was all happening just reminded me of like a slow-mo scene in a movie. These guys are here to help us out, and just like every time I turned around, there was more people walking up. Um, I was glad that they came because... They got like the whole basement out before lunch, and so probably if they didn't come, like a lot of this, we wouldn't have been able to get like everything out in just that one day. We also had like a handful of offers for places to stay. My family's out of town for the summer. You guys can live in their house. Um, several offers for cars. Um, at that point, I guess we didn't really know what our damage was with the car because we had two walls on them. Um, but they were drivable. Um, very, They were damaged, but not like I'd expect for a garage falling in on them. But I don't even know how many. Several people offered cars as long as we needed them. Um, some other friends are even still very stressed out, don't know how things are going to work out or when progress will be made. And I really feel in everything, the place to stay, all the help we've gotten, I feel like everything has just been laid out and handed to us. Um, like with Carpenter Place, the house parents moved out the Monday before the tornado. So they had an empty cottage. Um, any need that we've had, like immediately someone's like, we've got it. In a moment like that, when your entire home is destroyed by a tornado, I've never experienced that personally. I can only imagine the emotions that you go through and that you feel from the the physical to the emotional to the stress to all of it. And I, I wanted Mark and Lindsay and the girls to share a little bit about what their experience was not, not just to go through the tornado, but what it was like when they saw and experienced and felt and received the the presence of the church, doing what the church does best, bearing one another's burdens. That that's one of the huge purposes. Now 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 the triplets is a big story. That was a big deal and many of you in the congregation because it was such a it was such a big story. People that was on the news and we saw that and we, and we we were all there and we've experienced what it's like in tornado season in Kansas. But there's people with burdens in all sorts of ways. The other day I went to meet with somebody at the Fairmont coffee house. I hadn't been there before. It was kind of an interesting place. And there in the hallway in the Fairmont coffee house, um, they had an interesting wall. It was called the prayer wall. And on that prayer wall, 
I assume that the owners of the Fairmont Coffee House are people of faith. They just had a, a wall where you could put up your prayer requests. Now, now, unlike the triplets, the burdens that were on the prayer wall were what I'll call the quiet burdens. The burdens that you can't just see readily. I looked at a couple of them, and you'll see some of them up there. I, one person wrote this, I can barely afford to exist. I may have cancer. I often think I should just not wake up. That person's carrying something. Deep, you probably wouldn't know it unless you knew this person, but it's not something that's readily apparent. You have to get to know that person. You have to come alongside them. Somebody else wrote, I would love to bring a child into the world. And there was many other requests like that. It just caught me. The number of burdens that people carry. Years ago, uh, when I was the youth minister, and, and Jeff's experienced this as well, uh, we had teens that would share. Uh, one of the evenings, we'd ask them to put their prayer requests on post-it notes. And myself and the other staff that were at camp would pray through those, and we'd hand those to the elders and ask them to pray through them because there were so there was big things and small things, but they were all serious things in the hearts and the minds of our teens. So, so the point is that everyone has a burden. And when you're a Christian, I, th- I believe firmly that Jesus Christ doesn't just save you from something. He saves you to something. One of the things that he saves you to is the ability to carry a burden. It can be big ones. It can be small ones. It can be seen ones, it can be unseen ones, but we are all called together to carry each other's burdens. And we, got, we all have them. Physical burdens, emotional burdens, financial burdens, relational burdens, spiritual burdens. We all got them. Big and small, seen and unseen. Well, what do we do with those? What do we do with them and, and how can we work through those as a one another body? First... The scripture tells us very clearly to bring your burdens to God. You read through Psalms, uh, so many of the Psalms convey this idea. Psalm 68, 19, page 613 in your Bible, reads this. Blessed be the Lord, be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. We're studying the life of David in our intergenerational classes on Sunday morning. It's it's so interesting to me that David didn't write all of the Psalms, but wrote so many of the Psalms. And you think about all of the burdens, big ones and small, seen and unseen, that David bore. And each time he had those burdens and he felt the weight of them, instinctively what I think made David a man after God's own heart was that he carried those, not by himself, not as the king who had it all, but as... As the servant of God, he lifted those to the Lord. He brought those to him. And I think David did that daily. Psalm 55, uh, 22. The, the title, at least in mine, is, on page 604 is, Cast Your Burden to the Lord. I'm not going to read all of Psalm 55, but verse 22 of Psalm 55 says, Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will. That's a promise of Scripture. 
And for those of you who tend to be people who think, well, I got this, I carry this, I don't need anybody's help, you're missing out on a great blessing because you're making life harder than God intended it to be. So he calls us to bring our burdens to him. Hannah brought her barren womb. David brought his grievous sin. Jesus brought even his troubled soul. Peter tells us to cast your anxieties into the Lord because he cares for you. When you don't cast your burdens to the Lord, you're missing out on a great opportunity to, sh- to experience the peace and the care of your loving Father. And so he asks you to do this with your burdens. I was speaking with an alcoholic one time. This person was in recovery. And they made this statement, I don't know how anyone... can recover from alcoholism without God. Now, I've personally never experienced that, but I understand the sentiment completely. It's not just true with struggling with alcohol addiction. It's, it's true in nearly every burden you could care. How can you expect to experience God freeing you if you just say, God, I got this, I got this, I got it's all right, I got this, you don't worry about me. There's a, second bur- there's a second blessing that we can have in Christ and in the body of Christ more specifically, and that's this, to bear the burdens of other people. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. The Apostle Paul's writing to a church that is very divided, Jews and Gentiles. We got those that are trying to get them back to the old law, those who are trying to live under the new covenant. It's a church with some issues and problems And Paul, in writing about it, talks about how they are to live with one another. And he's very intentional in in chapter 6, speaking on the idea of burdens. He says, bear one another's burdens, it's Galatians 6.2, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Um, I'm a a weightlifter, I'm usually in the gym 8-10 hours a day, you probably gathered that already. For those of you who are like me and can identify with that, um, you know that any good weightlifter needs a spotter. I don't care if you're as ripped like me, you know, if, you, if you're just starting out like Mark Yakely, I mean, you, you're, you, you, you need a spotter. You need someone who's there in case you get in over your head. You need somebody to spot you. I like this idea of being a spiritual spotter. Can we dig a little deeper here? If you, if you don't mind, let's, let's pour through Galatians 6 for just a minute because I think it reveals some truths to us that will be helpful. He starts off by saying brothers. Now, he's speaking probably to his Jewish brothers, but I really think he's, he's trying them to help them understand that these Gentiles are brothers too. But the idea here is that church is a team sport. The scripture refers to the church as a family with lots of people. It refers to the church as a body with many members. It refers to the church as the vine of the branches that are all connected to the vine. It's many, but all together as one. Second, it says, if you, if anyone is caught in any transgression. Now here Paul's probably talking about a sin. This is somebody who's snared in a sin. Sin's like a, a trap. 
And it can get anyone. I don't care how spiritually mature you think you are. Sin can snare anyone. And you got to be careful. So he says, if anybody's caught, then it says what? You who are spiritual. Now we have to be careful here because this is a, this is a, a misused term. You hear people say, well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. And, and that's basically saying, I, I don't worship God, I just worship myself. Um, spiritual in the biblical sense means something very different than in the worldly sense. It doesn't mean that you go out and meditate and stare at rocks all day. Spiritual means something different. Look, look at what it says. Look at, go to Galatians chapter 5. The, the, anytime that you're working through a text and you don't quite understand what the text means, what does the word spiritual mean? Always let the scripture define the scripture. And if we do that, if we do that very carefully, we can really grow in our knowledge of the word. Galatians chapter 5 is where we'll go. Now I'm going to read to you a select passages from Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to define the word spiritual. Galatians 5.16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. See, walking by the Spirit means it's going to be painful sometimes, because there are going to be times when you want to do something in your flesh, and the Spirit's going to say, no, no. That's not what God wants for you. And and spiritual means walking according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. So when you hear religious people say, well, we just love everybody. You can just do what you want, live how you want. That's not walking by the spirit. Walking by the spirit means yielding to the spirit. Now go to verse 22. He says, the fruit of the spirit, this is what we would call spiritual, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you want to know if a person's truly spiritual, ask yourself, are they a person who's loving and joyful and peaceful and patient and kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled? That is God's definition of spiritual. You'll see the fruit of the spirit. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So we walk by the Spirit, we yield to the Spirit, and when we do that, the fruit of the Spirit is, bared, is, is shown in our lives. Okay, so if the people who are spiritual, what do they do? They should restore him in a, spiritual, in a spirit of gentleness. Now, this is really important. All the manner of correction that I've ever seen happen in the church, true spiritual connection has been done in a spirit of gentleness. It was my Aunt Donna writing me letters and infusing them with Scripture. Now, she was correcting me, but she was doing so oh so gently. She was bearing my burden. It was Andy just just being a shoulder to cry on for Brent. He was bearing his burden Oh, so gently. Now, specifically when it comes to sin, when you've got somebody who's snared in sin, it says you who are spiritual should, what, ignore him, excuse him, judge him, destroy him? No, it says you who are spiritual should restore him. 
See, our God is in the, is in the business of reconciliation. And he calls those who are walking by the Spirit to be on the same mission. This is why Jesus would say, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We are in the restoration business, not just in the restoration movement. The, the, the idea of gentleness. I'll give you an example from Scripture of gentleness. If you want to go to John chapter 8, or if you just want to listen to me retell the story, Jesus, in John chapter 8, has brought a woman who's been caught in adultery. Adultery is typically a, an act that involves two people, but for whatever reason, there's only one who's brought to Jesus. And this poor woman is brought in shame and probably nakedness before this popular rabbi, and she's used just as a pawn. They just want to trap Jesus, and she is the prey. What do you say, Jesus? What do you say? Now, the law was right. The law said stoner. That was exactly what the law said. But Jesus was gentle. What does he say to her? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she says. Then neither do I condemn you. Now, some people want to stop right there. See, we're just supposed to love everybody and never condemn anybody. But what does Jesus say? Neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. You see what he did there? He showed her mercy. At the same time, he gently, oh so gently, restored her and helped her and, and, and drew her away from the sinful life that she'd been leaving. See, your method matters. Some people just think that Christianity means I'm right and I'm being a bulldozer and I'm going to mow everybody who, over everybody who doesn't agree with me and that is not what the Lord called us to. Your method matters. When you're bearing someone else's burden, when you're helping them to carry their burden, when you're helping someone bear a burden, you should neither be a bear nor a burden. How about that? When you help them, you do it like Jesus did, oh, so gently. And when you do that, you bear one another's burdens, whoops, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Jesus called us to carry, and that's what he calls you and I to do. He carried our eternal burden. He calls us to be carriers of other people's burdens. And when we carry others' burdens, we fulfill what Christ did for us. Ultimately, this is why we need Jesus. This is the grand invitation Come to, you, to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Brother, sister, and guests here this morning, if you find yourself here burdened, I want to, to, to extend to you the invitation of Christ to come to him, all you who are weary and heavy laden, all who are burdened, and he, and he alone will give you rest. If you're tired of being burdened, may I just invite you very gently, oh so gently, to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Whether your burden is big or small, seen or unseen, may you give your burden to the Lord. May you let him carry it. And if you're of the people of the Lord, may you actively be involved. May we actively be involved. May we be carriers of the burdens 
together. If you have a need this morning, I invite you to lay it down. Our shepherds will be at the back. You can go to them during this song. They will be happy to pray with you and help you in any public way. If you'd like to put on Christ to lay down your eternal burden, we can help you with that as well. Whatever need you have, if you have a public need, please head to the back during this time and our elders will help you. The rest of us, let's stand and sing together.